You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike, Pensacon, New Jersey. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. I was talking to uh, one of my friends. I was talking to her about her husband. I, I probably shouldn't have been doing this because she hadn't talked to him yet about this, but she told me that if her husband prayed, it would feel sexy to her. And she hadn't told him this yet. And I, I, I've been thinking about it ever since because I thought, you know, that's probably true. If your husband prayed, it would, it would probably arouse some of you more than it, uh, he normally does. Because it, she thought it would give him a little more substance. You know, like he actually was bringing something to the relationship, you know, kind of like spiritual apps or something like that. And she thought that was pretty sexy. Yeah, yeah I thought, why not? That's... I mean, it's no surprise, really, that her husband was a little meditation challenged. Um, some men are. Some lots, lots of people in general are. It's kind of a secret sometimes that people keep that there's not quite as much uh, prayer going on as they might like. Um, you might have thought with my introduction, I was going to say there's not quite as much sex going on as some people might like, but that 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 happens too. But just in general, in the intimate areas of our lives, sometimes there's, there's a little bit of dissatisfaction, and we need to work on it a little bit. Um, so this speech is all about that kind of stuff, not sex, sorry. But uh, but it's it's uh, designed to be like hope for the meditation challenge this time. We'll get to the sex challenge another time. But before I'm I'm finished, I hope that um, you get some encouragement to keep going, uh, maybe maybe to get going, to um, get going again on uh, this aspect of prayer, this multifaceted territory we inhabit all the time that could call meditation, all right? <laughs> a friend wrote me a couple of weeks ago to thank me for a circle of hope daily prayer. Um, here's a picture of today's entry if this thing's working for me. Did I do it right? Which one do I press? There it is. Um, you probably already saw it anyway. This is the picture of Circle of Hope Daily Prayer Wind. We have two of them. The Wind blog is a daily uh, offering for some people who are new to faith or new to Circle of Hope. And they're a set of entries that we keep refining that kind of give us the basics of what it means to be faithful people together here. And uh, the Wind uh, blog is about people who have been on the road with Jesus a few years or so, maybe, and are getting stimulation from various people and the congregations for uh, their daily prayer. But um, being contacted by my old friend about daily prayer was kind of weird. I didn't think that she even knew that we had this. And she, she just wrote me out of the blue and said, hey, thanks for doing that. Um, she lives like 3,000 miles away, so I didn't even know how she figured this out. But I guess she was just surfing around, and there we were. Uh, but she said, you know, for some of us, this is really helpful because I, for one, am meditation challenged. And what she meant by that is that she can't really take the Bible and meditate on it because that's what she wanted to do. And uh, she can't get it uh, as much out of it as a Circle of Hope Daily Prayer seems to get out of it. And so she was really grateful for that. So she was writing me about it. I mean, that's one reason we're the body of Christ, right? I mean, some people are going to be able to get more out of the Bible than other people. Some people are going to be able to come up with resources that other people would never even think of doing. Some people are going to pray more than others. This is all good. You know, nobody's supposed to have all the resources of prayer and a relationship with God in one person. I mean, that's inconceivable, really. It's probably not even meant to be that way. So, of course, she was uh, maybe had to go 3,000 miles to get it, but, but she found it. She was relying on us, and she was grateful for that. 
So our daily prayer blogs are designed to be so simple that um, a newbie could jump in and get something out of it at some level and get um, deep enough so that the most mature wouldn't mind just being alongside everybody else and praying in our common prayer this way. I mean, this resource that we give people is uh, is vast. And by the way, it's not um, required. I'm 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 talking about it like you're all doing it. And like if you didn't do it, I'm probably secretly irritated with you. But that's not true. This, it's not a it's not a required thing. It's just a, it's just a little offering. But if someone did uh, put a plate of snickerdoodles before you, with a little sign on them and said, "Hey, eat these," wouldn't you eat them? Right. Of course you would. The daily prayer is just like a plate of snickerdoodles. And um, why wouldn't you eat them? They're they're right there. Just a little piece of sweet for you. That's what the blogs are. The blogs are um, good for the meditation challenged. When I say meditation, something might come to your mind about a person meditating. I don't know how you see it, and I'm not going to do anything that makes you get, puts an image in your mind, and I have a blank screen up there so you don't get an image in your mind, because I would like you to have yourself as the image in your mind about a person who might be meditating. Um, the picture is, you think, is of you thinking and feeling with God. You could be thinking and feeling about God, and that's fine too. But the idea is to you and God together in uh, some kind of union, some kind of communion, some kind of integration. And of course, like we were just singing, love. Right there in the middle of all that love. Meditation is, is really kind of simple. It's just turning to God who is with us, focusing on God who is near attending to God who is calling, all those different things you might think of as uh, meditation. You're probably right. And um, we're all working on our own version of it where we're starting right now, and that's good. Um, I'm going to briefly talk about how a lot of meditation is uh, taught as simply turning away from what uh, makes us feel anxious into some kind of rest. That's, that's popular these days. But Christians turn away in order to turn toward. Our meditation is, is personal. It has an object. Uh, our, our loving God, who, who loves us. And, and God has an object too, us who loves him, her. Sometimes meditation sounds really complex. You know, people write these great books about them, and if you read a few of them, they, then you know, yeah, this is really complex. <laughs> he wrote like a 250-page book, Thomas Keating, and I only understood about half of it. So it sounds very complex when you, when you talk about it. But it's not probably all that complex because we meditate on other things too. Like I, I meditate on Gwen, my, my wife. Um, I wonder what she's thinking. I wonder what she's feeling. Sometimes a little negative. I wonder if she's mad at me. I wonder what I might have done wrong. But that most time is positive. You know, I, I, I fondly remember her, and I, I love her, even though she's across town. And um, I don't even know what's going on with her for sure right now. I'm meditating on her. Or when she's downstairs and she's baking snickerdoodles, which happens. Snickerdoodles are actually my signature cookie. So when someone else bakes them, I go, I smell that love. And the fragrance comes up to me, you know, and I feel close to her, and I feel loved by her when I get that um, sense. It's like that with God. We have different sensibilities that we may or may not have, you know, that most of us have something, 
that um, reminds us that God is with us and how God cares for us. The daily prayer blogs lead us through a simple format that helps us get involved in this. And, I, and I'm going to do the rest of my speech in, in light of that um, outline. And every time I put up a picture of it, that doesn't mean you're required to do it. But hey, it's just like having sex. Really, it's sexy to, to pray and meditate. It's like eating a cookie. It's like eating a snickerdoodle. So why not? So you can be invited into it. Um, we always start with the Bible on the daily prayer blogs. It doesn't mean that you need to, because I turn to God on the train and meditate. So I don't really need a format to do this at all. But in the one that we use together, we, we start with the Bible. Um, because we're, we're not turning into um, nothingness. It makes a point of this. Uh, we're not just considering when we meditate how we feel or how we um, intend to not feel. Um, we're, we're, we're moving into something. You know, we, uh, we're turning to love and truth and, and opening up to this. That's the way Christians meditate. So this morning we started with a Bible reading in daily prayer. You can see that little orange part there that said today's Bible reading. And um, they had a section of the Bible that worked with the theme for today's entry. But I want to give you this Bible reading to go with my, my uh, exercise. And again, this is one of the sexiest verses in the Bible. Um, Those of steadfast mind you keep in peace, in peace because they trust in you. Say that out loud. Those of steadfast mind you keep in peace, in peace because they trust in you. Are any of you so old or so um, schooled in Christianity that you know the song that goes to the King James Version of that? Oh, sure, I'll teach it to you. Thou will keep her. I said them. Which? How did I fix that song? Thou will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Thou will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I needed that when I was driving down 130 trying to get here because I was late and I went, th- I went on the wrong bridge. So I was driving too fast, and everybody else in Jersey drives faster than me, and more erratically, which is hard to do. So I needed to sing this song. Uh, try that part, now I'll teach you the chorus. Thou wilt keep them in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Thou wilt keep them in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Because they trusteth in thee, O Lord, because they trusteth in thee. Try that part. Because they trusteth in thee, O Lord, because they trusteth in thee. Then the finale is, thou wilt keep them in perfect peace, because it is laid on thee. Steadfast here literally has to do with being sturdily formed. We're, we're talking about how minds are formed, are formed, and we hope that they'll be sturdy. And when they say mind, you shouldn't just think about your rationality or having some series of thoughts. That's one way to think about mind. But when the Bible is talking about it, it's a little broader than that. Like when Jesus says, you'll love the Lord with all the, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is like the major commandment. He's not uh, trying to make different categories there so that you'll delineate what I'm doing right now. Is this heart, or is this soul, is this mind, or is this strength? Not really. 
it's, it's he's piling up words so that you'll think that this is a big thing going on inside of you. There's a lot of different functions that are interrelating inside of you as you relate to God. And so mind has a, has a larger sense than just kind of linear thinking. You could say um, those who are of steadfast consciousness, those who are of steadfast attentiveness or connectedness, are going to end up with a sturdy mind. They're going to they're going to live in peace because they have learned to trust in you, O oh God. They learned to trust in you. Your mind is steadfast. Your inner life is sturdily formed if you are trusting. If you have come to to turn toward your uh, turn your attention toward your Creator and to your friend, your brother Jesus and have come to trust, and then you can come to, to peace. That's, that's meditation in a nutshell. That, that verse is meditation in a nutshell. Meditation is an active trust. Repeated, this repeated active trust ends up with a steadfast character, a visionary uh, security. You know, uh, a sense of being the, the beloved that's born of being heart to heart with God. So, so it's the, the crucial act of being a Christian, really, is to, to learn how to have this connection with God. So in this one line from Isaiah, you can see some real basic things about what meditation might be. And I, I, I think it's probably pretty obvious, but these days when there's alternative visions of what meditation might mean, this is kind of important to kind of make sure these are on the, like, in your mind. One thing, we're having a relationship. That's meditation. Um, it's because they trust in you. you know, we're, we're talking to God. It assumes that you have a mind that's actually your own. You have a self. You have a consciousness that, that belongs to, to you. You're, you're unique. You can know you, and uh, you can know yourself. And it's talking about those of steadfast mind. You know, we're imagining people. We can see them. They're in a place. They're in a time. You know, they're in a body. That's, that's the place where this is happening. And it's in the present. It's happening right now. The time is now. I'd say we're at t- actually meditation is happening in an eternal now because we're relating to, to God. And um, we're talking to the creator of our now. So it has a right now present tense to it. So this trusting and this staying, if we can, if we can do it, it's like, it's like water for our soul. You know, learning to, to meditate and, and so trust God is like swimming in the deep waters of the spirit. You know, turning into trust, determining to stay, that's meditation. So we start with the Bible, uh, because I think it's kind of arrogant to, uh, <laughs> to try a variation on a theme. A lot of people do this. Um, like they, they get an idea in their head, they've, they've heard something for the first time, suddenly they want to they go out and do the nth degree of it. A lot of people are very frustrated with themselves because they, had, they got the idea and they can't do it yet. They want to do all the variations um, and uh, they can't. Trying to, trying to meditate on what our, our, our like uh, without paying attention to what our predecessors in the spirit have already given us, you know, it's kind of like... Um, putting your bear on a bicycle before you totter to pedal. 
You know, it's just, it's kind of unseemly in a way. You know, you, you just saw what the Bible teaches about the peddling of meditation, so to speak, before it throws you on the spiritual bike. You might want to pay attention to it. That's one of the reasons we start out with the Bible. Now, that doesn't mean we're, going, we're not going to have to get used to the bike, the meditation bike ourselves, but it certainly will um, mean we have some trustworthy guidance as we go there. So the next section of daily prayer is always about some more guidance and more thoughts for meditation. Sorry, I never quite know what I put on the screen. I just want to make sure what's happening back there. Because um, prayer is all about guidance and get a, getting a feel for things. I, I mean, you don't already know what you're going to do before you get to prayer, do you? I mean, it's kind of a, you're kind of like riding a bike. You know, I don't know where that's going to go for sure. I, I don't even know where I'm going to fall down or something. You know, there's, there's a, it's a, it's a movement. It's a process. So um, here is the meditation section from today's um, wind entry. But as far as, as, as this uh, speech, speech goes on um, trying to be helpful for the meditation challenge, here's, here's my thoughts. I want to tell you a little bit about what I think your context is for meditation these days. Um, most of it's about mindfulness. You recognize that term? How could, I don't, I, has anyone never heard that term, mindfulness? I don't know how you could not. They don't, do they teach this to you at work? Have you, has anyone been through a mindfulness exercise at work yet? Where they've trained you for mindfulness? Have you heard about your children getting this at school yet? Do they teach it at your school? Not yet. Um, you, they did. They did it at your school. Hmm. Yeah, my my grandchildren have are quite aware of this. They can tell me more about mindfulness and some things I wish they knew about. Not that it's not that it's a bad thing. And I think it really does help adults and children like settle down. Like, that's that's what, what that's what it mainly is when people are are teaching it. It's about how to get relaxed, and ultimately, it's kind of like how to be in charge of your own relaxation. It's how to have your autonomous sense that you can be uh, you can settle yourself down, and you aren't necessarily reliant on some atmosphere to help you. You kind of know this, and you can get this technique, and it will kind of do it for you. And a lot of what we would say about meditation certainly coincides with, with what people will say about mindfulness. And to good end, you, you've learned mindfulness in this meeting, I'm sure. And people are saying, you know, notice your breath and become, become present to this moment. That's the beginning of mindfulness, but it certainly is also the beginning of meditation. So um, that's all a good thing. The problem I'm going to point out to you, that a lot of what the training is doing these days, although it says that it's value-neutral, or even philosophy neutral, it's not really. It's, it's super laden with philosophy, and it might not be the fullness of what you're looking for. So let me take it down for just a second, without being too disrespectful. Because I know that I've taught people mindfulness, and I do this in my practice too. It's because it's, it's, it's an important skill, but it's not all there is. Would you teach the baby, just tell her to take a deep breath, and the real deep breath, and go to the bottom of where she's crying about. I think that a lot of mindfulness actually, um, did I go two or one? Yeah, I'll go back. The, um, oh, most mindfulness training, this is why I'm where I thought I was. The baby kind of got my attention. I like babies. The, uh, probably what they're teaching your kids and what you get taught if you go into the, to the workplace and they teach you something will be more about what this Don Perignon ad is about. I just thought it was so amazing. I wanted you to see it. 
time we play it? Or do I play it? Life is creation. Life is inspiration. Life, that's the ultimate something we made out of nothing. Don't bring you. Have you seen that yet? When I saw that, I almost like fell on the floor. I said, did I hear that right? I had to rush to Google to find out. <laughs> yep, I heard it right. The, the first gobsmacking version I heard was just directly, life is what we create each day out of nothing. I said, really? <laughs> They're actually saying that on TV. Okay, I am so old. They're saying that on TV. <laughs> it really disturbed me. But a lot of mindfulness teaching goes directly to that, uh, that uh, sensibility. You know, uh, life is what you create out of nothing every day. And what you need to do is gather yourself in this present moment, which may be the only moment you have, but it's your moment, and figure out how to be in it fully because that's all there is. And it, uh, as, a re as it gets more and more common, it ends up being, um, oh, sometimes the anti-Christian, but certainly the alternative to Christian, Christian view of how you actually connect with something that's relatively numinous, in this case yourself, since you're creating the world as you go along. And uh, it has a sense of being multipurpose, useful for everything in any context. You can turn to this technique and it will relieve you of the anxiety that is, you know, bearing down upon you because your president just killed somebody in Iran or something like that. And you can use this to just, you know, be released from that and go back into your singularity with yourself and feel okay in your own space. Now this is a, a has a precedent from which it came, which is it's grounded in the, the Buddhist doctrine of anatta, which you, which you might be familiar with. Uh, it's it's a basically um, I'm going to reduce it down to, but but they would say that. Um, Talking about a mind that is steadfast on God, now that's an illusion. Because the, the Buddhists teach this, there's, there's no self. Uh, and there's, there's no outside factors that really make that much difference. There's just, there's just factors. And you're, you're one of them. And these, these, uh, all these things that you experience are impermanent. And what you can come up with is basically your own creation every day. And that's what you're ultimately responsible for doing. Mindfulness has that uh, background to it. Um, although a lot of Buddhists say mindfulness is just way too not Buddhist. You shouldn't be even calling it Buddhist. But it, but it has that, that background to it. Uh, the practitioners are, are regularly think that they will teach you that nothing is permanent and nothing is personal. So we've come to handle conflict by saying things like, uh, no worries. It's it's really it's really just going to pass by, or um, nothing personal. <laughs> I always hate it when someone says that. Nothing personal. I didn't mean that in a personal way. Whereas you know Jesus followers know that everything matters. Everything is rather permanent, and um, it's all personal. So it's quite di quite different for us. Mindfulness e exercises, if you just keep them at the typical level they're giving you. Um, always draw your attention to how transitory everything is. And I've, and I've done this for you myself because I think it's important to do this kind of thing unless you think that's the only thing there is. You know, like imagine your thoughts are balloons floating up into the sky 
and disappearing into the ether. Um, see your see your worries as traveling down this river and flowing into the great sea of of whatever. Um, the mantra can be, you know, you're not your thoughts. You know, you're not your pain. Which is a good idea to, to think about, unless that's all you're thinking about. There are really dispersed steps towards turning to God. It's really great if you're anchored down at the bottom of that river when you're meditating and you're visualizing your anxieties flowing off into God's hands or even into wherever they're going to go and you don't even know. That's, that's good, but that's just getting started. The problem with this, the, the mindfulness techniques, is that they're saying that they um, assist you with anything and, and everything. And they say that this impersonal uh, sensibility is really superior to whatever other sensibility. It's really quite religious when they're teaching it to your child. You know, saying this is how you get in touch with yourself and how you can actually be centered in your, your moment, and that's a good thing. So it sidelines that deep kind of process we do when we're meditating with God or meditating about God that helps us to choose the things that we want to choose and unpick the things that we don't want to pick and has a sense that we have this value to bring to this moment with our personal heart-to-heart God who loves us and who came to us in Jesus. So I, would, I, would, I did some exploring, as you can talk about this, and I found out, wow, the landscape is much more um, uh, infected with this than I thought. Um, I went looking for some basic stuff, and I, I was found an app. And I, and I tried it out on the trolley the other day, and it was great. I really liked it. And then I disco- this, uh, discovered that these apps are, are multiplying. Um, the one I was going for was um, Headspace. I don't know if you've seen any of these, probably. Um, its main competitor is Calm. They're, they're duking it out for the, um, the uh, meditation market, the mindfulness market. And there's Christian ones, of course. There's Christians always, always glom on too. And then they have one called Abide. I don't know if you've seen this one. I thought these are all fairly attractive. I didn't try them all because I didn't really want to do them all. And they trick you into getting, you know, I, I get two weeks for free, and then I have to pay for the rest of my life because I can't figure out how to stop it. So um, I, I only wanted to do that once because I regularly, I'm a, I don't know how many thousands of dollars I'm paying to people a year because of this. But, um, I, th- I think people like these kinds of things. You know, someone actually asked me last week if I, if I would manage how to record daily prayers so they could listen to it. They, w- they wish it were an app that was coming at them in this, this, uh, this way, you know. The guy for head ca- heads, uh, Headscape? What did I say? Headspace. Wow, a little dyslexia there. Or whatever that is. Andy Puttacombe, have you heard of him? Um, probably didn't see that picture of him. But um, he came back to Britain oh, I guess about, oh, t- maybe 20 years ago now, to create Headspace after a while, after being a Tibetan monk for 10 years. And this is him getting his tonsure when he was actually making this commitment, this decade-long commitment to the monastery. He'd gone through this real traumatic uh, experience like you probably did when he was 20. You probably had your own traumatic experience. Just didn't go to Tibet to solve it. His friends had been in this, this uh, accident, and a couple of them died, and it traumatized him so much he just took off to try to find some peace and when he got to Tibet he found some so when his um, commitment was up he came back to Britain and created this app 
So the BBC calls him um, the former monk who runs a $100 million meditation firm. Now he's worth $100 million, $100 million with his partner, Rich Pearson, here. He's guy that's responsible for the technical side. And he's holding up the app there. They're in China. <laughs> There's a market in China for this, too. Um, Puttacombe's uh, 2013 TED Talk about this, which you can look up. It's really, he's so charming. I buy about anything from him. But uh, he has been viewed three million times, which means that there's a market out there. I mean, at least there's a relative market. I mean, if you're um, uh, Justin Bieber put out a new single uh, last week on January 4th. You don't know about this? Oh, come on. Would you? I'm... Get with it. The, uh, the, uh, it's yummy, and the video is really good. <laughs> Stupid, but good. I enjoyed it. Uh, and I, I think he's about super talented. He's kind of like the puticum of nonsense. But uh, he, uh, his video has been, as of yesterday morning, had been viewed 40 million times in the past, in, the, in a week. So these things are all relative. But uh, in, the, in the meditation territory, uh, puticum is king. So um, here's a little come on for headspace that I think uh, we'll, sh we'll show you that. that this, is, this is not so bad. Let's see, see what he's saying. When we sit to meditate, it's very tempting to remember previous meditations, hoping that an enjoyable one will be repeated, or perhaps fearing that a more challenging one will reappear. The trouble is, these ideas our hopes and our fears can really get in the way of a direct experience of the breath, of this moment. Because rather than observing the mind as it is, allowing it to naturally unfold, we're busy trying to create an idea of what we would like it to look like instead. That's why it's helpful to approach meditation with what's known as beginner's mind. It means sitting down without any preconceptions or assumptions with no idea of what we'll find or what the outcome will be. So it's a very innocent mind. It's a bit like the way young children interact with the world, with a sense of curiosity and wonder. And there's a certain amount of delight inherent in that interest in the world. Kids aren't thinking about the outcome necessarily. They simply enjoy exploring for its own sake. So with beginner's mind, we're going into each meditation, recognizing that the experience is new, the mind is different, the conditions are different. And so rather than comparing our current experience to our expectation, we're actually present, interested in the body and mind as it is in this moment. Headspace, sign up for the app right now. That's not a bad idea. Don't sign up for the app. Though. It's because it's, 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 he's going to go on forever teaching a basic Buddhist doctrine. And he's going to get you to be on the train like I was when I first looked at this. And um, you can be totally alone on the train in your moment, not even caring what's around you, which is the goal, you know, and being just uh, in your moment. It's all, it's all about you because you're the center of your universe and you're really responsible for whether you can keep it going and being relaxed in the middle of that is super important. You know, if that's, if that's what your, your thought is about how life really works. So they had some good things about it, but I thought that was kind of uh, funny to see him on the train right there, totally ignoring all those things, or her, totally ignoring everything that was around them.
Not like Jesus coming into the water, right? Not, not quite the same idea. You can, if, you're, if you think that 10 minutes, he always talks about the 10-minute meditation. That's what would be on your app. You could go for this guy who did the um, 10% Happier app. <laughs> this is my last one I'm going to show you, okay? This could go on and on. But uh, this is a, I just thought this was amusing because this guy's an uh, anchor for Good Morning America. And um, he hawks it on TV, too. Because he, and he's not going to, he doesn't have 10 minutes of, the, of his day to do any meditation because he's just too fabulous to have that much time. And so he does it in little bits, you know, and has one minute meditations. And that's what he guides you to do. So by the end of the day, you might get two hours, but it happened in one minute increments because it's much more convenient for him. So there's a lot of people out there telling us what to do. You can see I'm a little skeptical I, of, of uh, this commodified, basically Buddhist, uh, mindfulness that could masquerade as Christian meditation if I didn't tell you about it, so I did. You know, so, they say, so that you're aware of it. Let me get to, get to the, briefly get to the last section of what usually happens in daily prayer, which is the suggestions for action. Um, never quite know. The, the daily prayer should never just tell you what to do, right? Because God is with you and you can figure out what to do through your own meditation. But they, they give suggestions and I, for one, often just take them because, again, it's a plate of snickerdoodles. Why wouldn't I eat it? It's a, they probably know something, and why shouldn't I try it? I'm not just about me anyway. Why shouldn't I just take direction from this person from the body of Christ? So um, most of the time, it's, uh, they amount to just do it. Um, you know, don't give up. Keep meditating. God's going to show up if you learn to show up. I think one of the main re reasons people give up praying and they, their meditation kind of becomes stale and they certainly don't go to the daily prayer blog or something like that is they just don't think they can do it right or they just don't think God's going to do it right. And so they're naturally skeptical and they have experiences that prove this to themselves, you know, that this really isn't working out the way that it ought to. Will God show up if I show up? Will my expectations be met in, in, in any way? We're going to have to risk it to find out. The headspace people are trying to get you to not risk it so you don't have to find out. Don't, don't go through that suffering. Christians are being much more realistic. I'm not just throwing you into the water of your baptism, but basically, you know, go find out. I say yes as a person who's been practicing. Of course, if I, if I show up, God's going to show up. Repeatedly. Unexpectedly, even. Wonderfully. A lot more stories about that, but, but you know I'm almost out of time. Um, suggestion for action you know uh, don't always just start with your expectations that was one of the lovely things in that uh, headspace um, come on said, you know go, go into it as a child you don't know anything not really so um, why should you control this let, 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 let it unfold what I would try to do is to find God somewhere you know, start, start from where you are. You, you know God in some way. Don't try to start where you expect you ought to be or where you imagine some, where thing, how something should happen. Go with what you, what you do know. If you just take, we're going to try this in a second, but if you just took this uh, hour we've been together, you have so many, so many ways, places to start. If you have some feeling, even some memory about something that's good, start there and let it unfold. 
um, there you get you have to have some experience, some knowledge, some in, some intuition, some capacity that draws you to know God as your true self. Start with that. Feel okay about that. Finally, it's it's, it's an invitation to just try it, and I want to end up with that um, right now. So um, this will be brief, but let's meditate for a minute. I hope you've been meditating as I've been speaking, but I, I can't be sure, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make you do it. The uh, just close your eyes, of course, and try to, to um, again, center in your own space. Just, you know, we're kind of getting on the bike. This, and this exercise is super simple. To try to get in our space, you always talk about that, being attentive to our breath, because all over the world this happens for the same for everybody. To settle down and be in your own space, attend to that basic breath that's part of you. And if you do, it will settle you down. So just notice yourself how you're breathing. And let it become slow and centered where you're at. And as you do, just let yourself wander through the memory of this past hour or so that we've been together. And see something that sticks out, something from the music, what Scott was saying, what you touched, a glance from somebody, what you've been learning, whatever. I'm going to give you, oh, 30 seconds or so, just to latch on to something and hold it. Hold on to one thing. Hope you've got one, you're getting one. Just, just focus on it. And let it mean what it means. Is it encouraging, convicting, enlightening, disgusting, confusing? Trust God for it, however you understand trusting God. Let your trusting experience make you steadfast, feel steadfast, firmly planted, maybe, more connected, loved, truthful, and trusting. I wish you had more time. This, this group meditation that we do, often to music, so great. So, so let's try it. Let's try that song again. Maybe you'll maybe you'll remember it when you need it in the car. Thou wilt keep them in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on Thee. Thou wilt keep them in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on Thee. Because they trusteth in Thee, O Lord. Because they trusteth in thee, thou 
keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.